Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. All right, Michael, a little bit of news in the MLB. A couple of players finally signing, finally getting to work. Let's start with the guy that's going to be nearest and dearest to your heart this season, Lance Lynn. Is he going to be near, nearer and dearer to my heart in terms of recent signings than Lomo? No, you'll be way too hard on Lance Lynn. And Jake Arrieta? Going to have to battle for a spot in the Phillies organization? <laughs> Hey, you know, I'm feeling a lot better about my Carlos Santana pick now after the Phillies appear to actually want to play baseball this year. They are going to (laughs) try. It's pretty weird, right? (laughs) It's about time. They've kind of taken off the last half decade, so might as well give her a shot, finally. They've they've really mailed it in since, what, 08? Uh, 08 was the year they won. Um, Yep. No, 2010. They had, they were pretty darn good that was the year that they bought when they had the four pitchers oh that's right but yeah Ooh, maybe that's uh maybe we should draw a parallel with the astros maybe we could yeah arietta does that mean he goes up or down in your rankings i'm gonna go with up because the rest of that league is or the rest of that division is so bad that is a lot of miami marlins and Atlanta Braves to most. That's a room. lot of strikeouts. He must have thought that to himself as well. He's like, uh, let's see, Mets, Braves, Marlins. Okay, okay, I can, all right. I can get, I can get some numbers here. We got this. Uh, someone else who's going to have to get his numbers. Mike Mustakis staying in Kansas City. How the mighty have fallen. That was some hubris that backfired. Yeah. Uh, I think that was what happened this summer. A lot of guys thought that they were going to make it big. and So we'll see. We are, what, 25 days? No, 20, like, mid-20s, low-20s from opening day. We're getting there, man. We're doing it. We're coming up on, on baseball season. We are coming right up on it. Hopefully all of your hard work is beginning to pay off. Yeah, yeah. On all of this hard work in the TGFBI finally got that acronym down (laughs) yeah this hard work that's that's that is some hard work and hopefully that is really going to pay off i am interested to see how we can um how we can match up with these heavy hitters light hitters lightweights as it were if you so what do you think looking at the other teams in our league how do you think you've been doing it rate your own value here oh i think i'm middle of the pack nice nice and easy i think that um a lot of the other teams don't have i'm not seeing a strategy you know Hmm. in in a lot of the other teams whereas like i really like the strategy that i had on pitching so yeah no you this is gonna be best start out pretty pretty quick um i kind of one of the things that i don't like though 
I don't have as much speed as I wanted to. I have the average, didn't get the speed, wanted to be an average team. Kept on thinking that I had L2 Van Billy Hamilton. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have Mr. Ir- Irrelevant coming up here, and then our, our rolling draft and uh, fan tracks should be done. But uh, pretty good. Haven't, haven't embarrassed us yet. So this week on the pod, we're going to talk about getting into fantasy roster construction, which is a pretty amorphous topic. So we're just going to skim the surface. And then Eric's going to give us a little bit of a deep dive on roster construction on the hitting side, looking at some clustering and some hitter archetype stuff that he's been putting together. All right, here we go. I decided that thinking about roster construction is is actually quite annoying, and I was pretty mad that you assigned this to me this week. I gave you the choice, to, and you said, oh, fine, I'll do it. I should have thought harder about it before I agreed. That I is say. that is true. Okay, so let's let's get some of the some of the basics out of the way. So tell me what you think about this. You roster construction, you need nominally. For most fantasy leagues, one player from each of the eight fielding positions, something like seven pitchers, often in something like a four starter, three reliever breakdown. And I mean, you're talking about one player. I mean, you like I'm already thinking of all the ways that you need to figure out how to cover with like a backup for as many of those positions as possible. Yeah, so I'm gonna get to I'm gonna get to the concept of of backups in a little bit, but then beyond that, so the reason that you're actually digging deeper, like let's say there are ten teams in your league, you'll often have two to let's say let's say nominally you have three utility slots, something like that. So you're talking about almost half of the regular starters in the MLB are gonna be owned. You really have to think about what the pool or the universe of guys that you want to draw from to build your roster is. Oh yeah. You have to start early identifying. What what do you mean? Start early. You have to start early identifying like who should be in that universe. Like, I mean, we're going to get into this a little bit later, but yeah, all of a sudden you're looking at, um, if you're looking at Freddie Galvis to, be the starter for one of your positions you should be scared you screwed something up somewhere along the line what a what a guy to list off freddie yeah, galvis freddie freddie galvis is gonna like send in wow such such hot fire against us but yeah, but it's all, all all serious like you don't want to have brock holt like as your main guy and in one of your positions so you need to plan ahead strategize how you're going to be able to fill everyone and make sure that you're not having <laughs> having Manny Machado and then <laughs> Jose Altuve and then Brock Holt and yeah <laughs> I don't know name random Mitch Moreland one thing that I was thinking about just to give yourself an idea of quantification if you're really obsessed with this you should you could think about using auction values uh-huh. the auction value for me is more of a lesson of thinking about how you should split your team roster construction 50 50 in terms of batters and pitchers and the value that you're going for yeah but i mean a hitter is able to give you more consistently over the course of a season in a in a daily league Less so, I guess, in a weekly league. I think that it shouldn't just be 50-50. You should start to see how things are going and be like, okay, well, these are my strengths or these are my weaknesses and deal with them accordingly. But yeah, I think it's actually more like a, I think it's more like a 55-45 split. 
55 on the hitting side. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure if I agree with that. Because other people overvalue hitting. So you need to overvalue hitting to be at the same base level. All right. I'm going to lay two optimization strategies on you here for roster construction. And then I'm going to let you tell me if you have any other ideas. One optimization strategy that I really want to touch on is the idea of the value of guys with multiple positions. So you talked, you already alluded to this once, thinking about how do you keep guys on your bench that can go in to any random position. Mm-hmm. And so what do you think about value, overvaluing or appropriately valuing guys with multiple position eligibility? That's a good question. I... I don't know. I was I was wondering if like let's just call a spade a spade. Marwin Gonzalez. Oh, very okay. interested in him and um was very interested to see where he went in the two drafts, two rolling drafts. Mm-hmm. And I think that he went a slightly earlier than he should have for the projections that he has. But I mean that multi uh position eligibility is so huge on a team, especially a team if you have players who are injury prone so it's such a strategic such a valuable strategic player but it might you know people i think are reaching for him and i would caution people to not look at adp as much with him well to look at adp more with him because (laughs) because people are reaching for him all right this is something that you told me about last year so i'm sorry if uh if i'm spoiling your roster construction strategy optimization strategies that you want to talk about but the concept of using the last i don't know two to three to four slots on your team like so thinking of top to bottom who's what the quality of your team is using the last few as revolving door slots uh let me explain what how i took that and then you can tell me if i got it totally wrong from how i (laughs) from how i interpreted it from you um the idea here is that the last two guys, to me now on the roster, are more or less total speculation and guys that are going to fill in um, that that could be available to plug holes. So if you were particularly worried about an injury risk or if you um, were seeing an opportunity to get a couple, squeeze a couple more at-bats out of a week because one of your team, because somebody on your team only was playing four games or something random in a week... You could you could safely use those spots. Now you said that to me because I was guilty for years and years and years of holding dead roster spots in the hopes that something would turn around for an individual player. Yeah, and that's it. Just never works out. I mean, having a player that's limping along, limping along, hurt on lineup, etc., is such a waste of a, of a roster spot. Got to keep those those active and yeah it's better to either pick a guy who could explode onto your team or have a guy who's just there for the week who's a the revolving door guy and having those two types of players like constantly on your bench is what helps you to see more players as well helps you to be like okay you know you're playing for your job this week logan morrison <laughs> better show up all right that is a good segue into the last thing that i want to talk about what value if i told if i told you first straight up that i think the draft is only worth about 
30% of your roster construction. Would you say that number was too low, too high, or just right? Well, I mean, I think it's sort of a uh, sliding scale, depending on the team. <laughs> I think for most teams that win, it's more like 50%. But for hmm. the majority of teams, I would say it's closer to like 40%. So 50% of the team, like a winning team, you would say that 50% of their final team was built by on draft day. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You think so? Okay. I want. I actually, this is something that I want to take a look at. We now. can, look, we can wanna, look back at our league and... I want to quantify this because cause I'm not even going to talk today about trades. We're going to put a pin in that for later, but... Ad dropping. Yep. Ad drop. I mean, I'm about to. We're going to talk about ad dropping for a second here, but man, trades. I don't know. I I think it's less than fifty percent for the good teams. I think that is around fifty percent. But I think I think you're right. For most teams, for the average team, it's less than that. But I think it's it's definitely higher than you're you're thinking. I don't know. All right. Well, that's um. We're gonna have to work on quantifying that. That's a good quantification exercise. We could for us. figure. Yeah. What would we figure out? The number of at bats and innings pitched. Ooh, I like that. All right. Percentage of the start, final for the year. Write down a list of things that we need to keep track of to do this. Oh God. So, what about during the season? Um, roster construction. Any wisdom on staying on top of examining player availability? For rosters, I mean, other than just telling people to go stare at the waiver wire, I don't know. I mean, that's what we spent <laughs> a lot of time on is evaluating the players that are on the on the waiver wire. I, I would say that it's those are the methods that we continue to work on, continue to develop tools on. That's it. Knowing, just like listening to baseball, is is huge as well. I think that we underplay that. Just follow the sport. <laughs> Lighter Summer was the best, but Eric is often nice enough to just let them go. Here's a case where he just couldn't resist making a little bit of fun of me. Well, what movie are you guys doing next week? And I was like, didn't we say it? That's so funny. It was in like the last version that I listened the whole way through. Was it? Yeah. So, Mike, are we going to cut this piece of the pod? <laughs> yeah, I probably will. <laughs> I don't... I don't even know. I don't know what happened there. I think, uh, who knows. I'm finally getting my head back into the game here. And this week, I decided to have a pretty focused question. Here it is. Does the general public over or under draft certain types of players? Nice and specific, but also very, very vague. (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to think, like, okay, what's my what's my top-line answer to that? Um, I guess the answer is yes. Maybe, right? I don't know. <laughs> Let's find out. Uh, the impetus for my question is twofold. One, I want to get my head around the different types of players out there for constructing a team around. And then two, I'm still in draft mode, so I want to understand everything and anything um, based on rankings and ADP. All right, so I sent this general idea to you. So the idea was scrape player projections, rankings, and ADP from Fantasy Pros, 
normalize the projections to 600 at-bats. Remember, we are interested in the different types of players, not what their season totals are going to be. So we'd rather put everyone on a flat playing field, say if they got 600 at-bats, this is what their stat line would look like. So we can mm. compare the cluster those players together. K means clustering on the data set. <laughs> Um, to figure out the archetypes of different players um, in in fantasy baseball. Start with hitters, that is. And then we identify stereotype players for each of the archetypes as just like a way to say, okay, we're I think we're we're on to something here. And then compare the ADP average ranking across archetypes. Boom. Easy peasy, right? Well, I mean, being as I was not the person who did the work and just received the emails with the results, I would say, yeah, yeah, easy. <laughs> you did you did receive a couple of expletive-laden text messages, though. So. That is true. That is true. I am aware, I am vaguely aware that there was some pain happening. <laughs> All right, so we've talked about K-means clustering before, but the idea is that it's a, a I mean, it's a, machine learning technique to statistical technique as well to um, separate out a data set into K that's a number of clusters um, and figure out where in data space the the different um, uh, the different records lie and then put those into different clusters so I and the expletive-laden text was actually about how do I figure out the right number of clusters? Because it's very easy to just say, give me three clusters. Give me 20 clusters. So separated out into two clusters look pretty darn good. It's pretty clear what the two clusters are. But, you know, come on. We can, we can do better than that, right? <laughs> move to three. Move to four. Move to five. Then moved to six, and six really, I felt like, um, really showed the difference. And you can see that in the the relationship between um, runs to RBIs, RBIs to runs, however you want to say that. You want to run us through these? Yeah, let's go through the the players. So I I like to um, run a sniff test along <laughs> <laughs> any kind of output that I have, just to, you know, make sure that things make sense. So. I put together six clusters. I felt that they looked pretty good. And then um, then I decided to try to figure out who was closest to the centroid of each one of the clusters. That's to say, in data space, the model said um, the centroid for each one of the clusters was a player that got this number of runs, this number of RBIs, etc. for each one of the different clusters. So I decided to use python to figure out who the player was who's was closest to the centroid and then um kind of characterize the stereotype of the clusters as well as um give myself fuel for a naming convention <laughs> how'd you like the naming convention fuel. mike fuel for a naming convention yeah that was good multi-level pun there love the naming convention all right Six clusters. Cluster number zero was Brad Miller. Was the tie bomber. (laughs) 76.8 runs, 22.7 home runs, 79.6 RBIs, 10 stolen bases, 
142 hits. Now these are normalized to 600 now, right? This is Which normalized. Fraction. This is still normalized to 600. That's why so we have the fraction. This is their 2017 stats normalized to 600. No, this is their 2018 projected 18 projections. Stats okay. Normalized. Yeah. Mike Trout was cluster number two, is the Star Destroyer, uh, as you can expect. Well, cluster number one, um, as you can expect, he was, that's a good cluster. <laughs> 130, like your naming 130 runs, 43 home runs, 111 RBIs, 27 stolen bases, 184 hits. Okay. Cluster number two, which is Freddie Galvis, uh, 60, 66 runs, 14 home runs, 64 RBIs, 14 stolen bases, 151 hits. Meh. <laughs> He's a mouse droid. That's the mouse droid's uh, cluster. Cluster number three, Joey Gallo. 103 runs, 48 home runs, 106 RBIs, nine stolen bases, <laughs> only 130 hits. Not a high average cluster. And that would be the TIE Fighters. So that's your normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill player. Uh, Trey Turner was cluster number four, 100 runs, 17 home runs, 68 RBIs, 54 stolen bases, 177 hits. Pretty darn good. That's the tie interceptor because they're fast, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) And then I have AJ Pollock in the last cluster, cluster number five, 103 runs, 20 home runs, 72 RBIs, 29 stolen bases, and 170 hits. And those are the tie pilots. So, Mike, I, I mean, you can see, you can start to see, it's a little bit easier to see it in a table, mm-hmm. what these different clusters mean. You have Brad Miller in cluster number zero. That's a, like a blah player. Yeah, Mike Trout and his cluster, which is the awesome players. <laughs> and then you have Trey Turner in the the fast can contribute um in home runs and RBIs and um and in batting average. And then you have the guys like AJ Pollock in cluster number five, which um little bit more well rounded, but not as you know, not as high an average or as many stolen bases. 2020 players. All right, so let's talk about comparison tools. The original mission was to actually compare these clusters to see if some of the players were getting over or undervalued. And uh, after taking a look at the T-test, which we've used before in, in some of the podcasts, season zero, season one, um, wanted to go a different route. So I went with an ANOVA test to find out if, mm-hmm. and here we are, this is hypothesis testing, um, to figure out whether we could disprove the null hypothesis, which is that basically these centroids, these averages, um, the average ADP, average rank, average difference between those ranks is the same across each one of those different vectors. Mm-hmm across each one of those clusters. So ran it through the test for, um, again, 
ran a one-way ANOVA test through for ADP and got a statistically significant result saying that we could disprove the null hypothesis. Ran it through for the average rank. Again, same, same thing. And I created another variable, which is the ADP to rank average difference. Ran that through as well. Also got uh, also got a statistically significant um, <laughs> result. So great. So what we know is that each one of these different clusters is drafted differently and ranked differently. Awesome. Does that really tell us anything? Um, it it tells us that we're on the path to something interesting, perhaps. I was just going to say it tells us that we're going to be a little bit too late to be useful this year with how to gamify your draft, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but then what I did was I found this, uh, the the pairing with an ANOVA is apparently a Tukey range test. Is that how you mm-hmm. pronounce it? Yep. Um, which then goes through and compares each one of the creates a pair of clusters across each one of the cluster pairings and says, you know, how do these compare? Is one higher than the other? Is one lower? Is, is it statistically significantly different, the average, the mean averages? And found that uh, the... Which cluster do you think um, popped out, Mike? From all the other ones? Yeah, from all the other ones. The stolen base one. Absolutely. Because it's total stolen bases is so orthogonal to the other four categories, by and large. Yeah, so people are drafting, and this really only doesn't really give directionality, but people are drafting those killer stolen base guys, the Trey Turners of this world, differently than the other positions. So are they drafting them earlier than, so the ADP is lower than the ranking? People are waiting a little bit more on speed than the rankings would, um, than the average industry rankings would suggest people to draft them. That's interesting. And I think that that's, that's because the projections have the, the players that have a bunch of stolen bases as being super, super valuable. And people are like, right. well, I don't really have to pick this guy at that, that spot. <laughs> right, it's a bummer. It's a bummer to pick D Gordon when he only contributes in one category. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. That's not what I would have expected. I would have thought that people would be reaching for the one category guys because I have a gut feeling that on the pitching side, everybody does reach for the one category closers. Well, that's at least in our league. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So, kind of interesting stuff, right? It's interesting. Uh, we branched out into at least two new tools. About time. <laughs> it is about time. We should probably start working on that more. Are you about ready to wrap this sucker up? I am. Uh, you going to fill out a bracket? NCAA March Madness coming up here. I will have to fill out a couple. Do we have any? Do, do you know anyone who's doing doing brackets that we can like? You know, talk with college people yeah we gotta we gotta make a like 
uh, an inter-academic one, I think. Inter-academic one. Oh, wow. Well, like, have, you know, department versus department. The astronomers are pretty bad, I will say. I would not be surprised. I've run for my, I've run one for my department for a few years, and man, it, it's, it's sad. Yes, it's sad, because I just, I just use the, ben, like, a benchmark ESPN one to tell us how we're doing against everybody else. It's not pretty. Mm. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why I've been well. I've been really off for like the last two years in all sports predictions. <laughs> Take you to Vegas and bet the other way. Yeah, no, you you should. You absolutely should. But this year, I'm actually excited to watch some of these. Um, upon the recommendation of Five Thirty Eight, thinking that their models indicating that this is going to be one of the years for the most parity in the bracket. Most parity, really? Yeah, they so don't go shocked. They gave them. They gave the most on they because I think what Virginia is favored to win it, and they but they only have eleven percent chance or something. Virginia never wins. Never takes. I know. Virginia. So, but they only have an eleven percent chance right now. So it's not like they're it's not like they're confident that they're going to win. Yeah. No. Exactly. That makes sense. But that's a much lower value than in comparison to previous years when they've done this. Much higher. Yeah. Who do you have in the first bracket? Do I have. Yeah. Who do you have in your as your winner? I'm gonna pick Kansas. Kansas. Oh, this uh, guy. What are you? Who are you picking? I, that's I. I got to the same thing where it was like it was Kentucky versus Kansas in the final. <laughs> and yeah, I picked Kansas. Because <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> of course. We didn't talk about enough college basketball this year, but I think I think we can both watch a few games. There's been a lot going on, and I haven't even. I I have no idea where to even start with all these stories. Yeah, it's not an easy one. Yeah, exactly. So that means we should move to something that we do actually know something about and in the review session here. Gold? The 1964 classic, you know, starring Auric Goldfinger. Forgot about his first name being Auric. Great name. Did you love that movie? Tell me how much you loved it. <laughs> I, it is not my favorite Bond. Not... Wait, when you say not your favorite Bond, do you mean Sean Connery's not your favorite Bond or that's not your favorite Bond movie? B- both. Both, um, yeah. But fair. also, it's not my favorite Connery Bond movie. I mean, I'm just going to say it. It is from Russia with Love. No. Yeah. What? Oh, definitely. <sighs> the crazy Man, Romas. I... I mean, okay. But anyways, we're talking about Goldfinger. Um, <laughs> something, something that I liked, obviously, that that duck hat thing <laughs> this like, is right off the bat what the heck just <laughs> like, right right like away you, you, did you like the duck hat more or less than him the fact that he was wearing a tuxedo under it the whole time that he had the duck hat also good that whole first scene is <laughs> so good that it's it, you want the movie to be from russia with love from there on out <laughs> are you serious what if you put odd, what if you put odd job in from Russia with love? Would you be happier? Oh, I would be that odd job. Great boss. That was that was another note that I had. Odd job is such an amazing video game boss. He really is. Ah, oh, I mean, you can you have to you have to suspend some disbelief when his hat cuts the head off a statue. Ah, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he yells and points, but. Man, the fight in Fort Knox, come on. That is so good. Yeah, that is that is like a video game boss fight. <laughs> it really Way is. Way before there were video games. 
All right, bring us back to the future. Tell us what you're going to have us watch next week. Oh, oh, you had it very good there. Did you I know that I was going to pick it? I didn't mean to. Oh, well, we're going to go back to the future <laughs> <laughs> with uh, number one. Wow, what an accident. What a fortunate accident. Ramp it up to 88. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, where's the luck to you, buddy? Where's the luck to you, too?